You are listening to episode 10 of the Sunday Shakeout, featuring a January 2023 global running update. Hello and welcome to the Sunday Shakeout. I'm your host, Nicholas. This episode features an update on some of the key events and reports going on in the world of track and field. I'll be discussing some of the key events that have been taking place recently, as well as some big announcements heading into the 2023 season. This includes the New Year's Eve races in Spain, the Boston Marathon field, and a big announcement from Jakob Ingebrigtsen. The goal of this episode is to provide listeners with a helpful update on some of the recent events in the world of track and field. If you're new to this tonight's shakeout, this show features guest interviews, training analysis and tips, gear views, and more. With tips for beginning, intermediate, and advanced runners alike, listeners will be provided with insightful information. They'll help them get faster, stay injury-free, and be happy. Staying informed in any sport you enjoy is crucial, and it certainly has a valuable place on the Sunday shakeout. It's inspiring to see these very elite athletes throw down some extremely fast times, and going into 2023, you will see many of the world's best doing just that. From the world indoor and outdoor championships in track and field, To stacked fields in many of the marathon majors, there is no shortage of action. And today is the day where we get an update. So without further ado, please enjoy January's Global Running Update. Alright, so the agenda for this episode is we're first going to be talking about some of the uh, key New Year's Eve races that have been taking place. So we're talking about the the key Barcelona 5Ks have been going on, both for the men's and the women's. And then we're going to also be talking about uh, some key races in Madrid. Uh, We're going to be talking specifically about uh, the San Silvestri Valencana. Valencana, uh, which is also in uh, Madrid. It's also in Spain. And we'll be talking about that with Joshua Cheptegei. And so I want to begin by talking about the Barcelona 5K. And we'll start with the uh, the men's 5K. And let's start off by saying that Jakob Ingebrigtsen, it was a supposed world record attempt uh, for him in the uh, road 5K. He was g- supposed to run like under 1250 uh, for the world record. Uh, like I think it was the world record like 1249. So he was supposed to, or like 1248. So he was supposed to run under run under like under that or he was supposed to make an attempt however due to the illness he uh he dropped out before the race started possibly like stomach issues and so because of that uh the ethiopia's edisu gurma is now in the spotlight or was in the spotlight and he was a very competitive runner he has a 1500 meter personal best of 13 or sorry 335 and we also had three other uh big names but uh the first 2k were at about 240 pace however it kind of slowed a little bit after the race got going. After 4K, uh, we hit the uh, the 10:50 mark. However, with 850 meters, or sorry, 800 meters to go, we had uh, Elias Fifa, uh, who I think is actually a pro soccer player. I looked him up, uh, but he's also a runner, and he unleashed a, a nasty kick. However, Gurma, who we were talking about earlier, came back and launched a blazing fast finish, which I can only imagine was probably under around. Uh, like 60 seconds for the final 400 meters and he broke the tape in 1325 with fifa finishing in second and 1330 so that was a really entertaining race i bet and uh we also had the women's race which in my opinion was kind of the spotlight 
for the women's 5k, we had Jehu uh, Tay, who ran within two seconds of her own uh, 5k world record that she set uh, two years ago. And the first kilometer we went out and it was around 2.49. And so this was well on schedule to run 14.19, which was her world record. And she had some company. We had uh, Germany's and leave in the comments if I'm pronouncing this wrong, but Konstanz Klosterhelfen. And we also had the European cross country silver medalist uh, on the women's side one to uh, break the European record of 14.44. Uh, so that was her. And then after we got the second K done, we were at 5.39. And we broke away from Kloster, she broke away from Klosterhelfen slightly. Uh, and she was pretty staying pretty even with the pacer and she broke halfway through the race at uh, 7.04 so it'd be uh, around two and a half k and at the 3k mark uh, she got there at about 8.33 and however Tay you could kind of notice that she was pretty struggling over the final two kilometers of the race at eight uh, or at four kilometers she uh, hit 11.29 and however she was still in a comfortable lead uh, and so she def desperately tried to kick it in with a final kilometer and she broke the tape in 1421, which obviously it's the second fastest uh, outdoor or not outdoor uh, road 5k uh, on the women's side in history. And I mean, you have to be pretty happy with that. Uh, but and then Kloster Hoffen uh, finished the race in 1452, which is four seconds behind the European record. And the, the another woman competing in the race, Caroline Grovdell, uh, who's the European cross-country champion. So, Klosterhofen is the uh, European silver medalist in cross-country, and Grovdell is the uh, the champion. And she was also in the race, and she finished with a time of 15.06. And so, in a way, that was kind of like revenge for Klosterhofen. Uh, but I thought it was a really entertaining race. And after the race, uh, Tay, who's the winner of the race, says that she may have gone out too fast and... Yeah, she just couldn't maintain her pace by the end, but she was still pretty satisfied for the performance and she was going to race in the Valencia 10K, which happened a little while ago. We're not going to be talking about that today because I think there's some other big news in the world of track and field, but uh, you can go to worldathletics.com and you could look at uh, the race review there. That's a great race review. Uh, so that was the uh, the Barcelona 5K race. I'm a little disappointed that Jakob didn't get to race because I think he certainly could have broken the world record. I know that it's the winter time, so he probably doesn't have the level of fitness as it in like the outdoor season or like for the worlds. But you know, I still think that he could have uh, put up a good fight there. Let's talk about uh, Cheptegei now, uh, Joshua Cheptegei uh, in Madrid, and he was racing the 10K also on New Year's Eve. So both these races are on New Year's Eve uh, of 2022, and he was uh, there were basically four contenders going into the race. We obviously had Cheptegei, who is the 10,000 meter world record holder on the track. He is the uh, reigning champion or, or reigning world champion in the 10K, and then he also or 10,000 meters, and then he also won the 10,000 meter world championships in 2019. Uh, I think he is the 2020, uh, obviously postponed to 2021, Olympic champion, or sorry, Olympic silver medalist in the 10,000 meters, second to Salman Berega. So that was the that was, that was the big name, pretty much the king of the 10,000 meters. And then we also had Mohamed Katir, who was the 1500 meter world bronze medalist, and I think he was the uh, silver medalist in the European uh, 5,000 or uh, 1500 meters. Can't remember which one. And we had Jesus uh, Ramos, uh, and then Elia 
Ayuani, and uh, that was basically the pack for like the the main half, the main like part of the race. We the pack broke away after the first kilometer of 241. Uh, guy was well in the lead, and it was uphill at some sections. So at the 2k mark, they hit uh, 517. So uh, actually, an acceleration, and they ha hit the time of uh, 236 per kilometer. Uh, with Cheptegai again taking complete control. And we hit the 3k mark in 8 minutes flat. And around 5200 meters, uh, Cheptegai and Katir broke away from the pack. And they were ran running absolutely even uh, on each other's shoulders almost uh, for the halfway mark at 1316. And obviously Katir was right on Cheptegai's shoulder after the 7k mark of 1835. And Cheptegai tried to get rid of him at this point, tried to get rid of Katir. However, Katir uh, put up a good fight and was still with Cheptegai until the 8k mark, which was essentially Cheptegai's cue almost, where he broke away from Katir and he extended the lead over the final kilometers, finishing with a time of 27.09. Um, I think Andrew from Total Running Productions talks about how I think Cheptegai looked a little, um, not skimpy, but like he didn't finish as strong crossing the finish line as Katir. Uh, but he hasn't raced since Worlds, which we'll talk about in a bit, so he probably isn't used to racing. But it is the fifth fastest performance in Madrid, and he was 10 seconds of ahead of Katir. And post-race, Cheptegai says that he knew Katir was going to be a stiff competition, and he knew that he had greatly improved over the last few seasons, and so the goal for him was just to regain the sensations of racing since he hasn't raced since Eugene, uh, since like the summer. So that was a really entertaining race uh, for the men's side in Madrid. And then we had the women's side, which is essentially a three-way dogfight uh, after our withdrawal of uh, pre-race favorite uh, Tese Gemechu or Gemechu. Um, and now we have uh, Prescha Chesling, who is the U20, under 20, 5,000 meter bronze medalist. And we have Francine Nguyen Saba and Beatrice Kep Chepet. Chepkoech, uh, Chepkoech, yes. And so we had, it was a, basically, yeah, it was a three-way dogfight. And after the first 3K, we were hitting uh, 256 average. And uh, the 3K split was 844. And then Sang, she essentially broke away midpoint at 1429. And she was six seconds ahead of Chepkoech. And Chepsang didn't, Chesang didn't really speed up after that. It was more like her contenders just slowed down when she hit the seven and a half kilometer mark, so the three quarters mark, uh, 18 seconds ahead of Chepkoech. And she ultimately finished with a time of 30.19, which is the third quickest performance ever on that course. And Neon Saba ended up finishing second. And it was kind of a, it was a fun sprint. It was like a, a final sprint on this uphill after, um, uh, so she overtook uh, Koech. And so that w those were the two main New Year's Eve races that happened. We had the uh, Chepta guy coming, uh, coming out and coming back pretty strong in Madrid. And then we have the Barcelona races um, in New Year's Eve. Both these are New Year's Eve races. But then, don't think we're done with New Year's Eve. We have one more New Year's Eve race. And this was in Bolzano, Italy. It's called the Bow Classic Road Race. And let's start with the men's race because we it was... Oddly enough, the race is on like a one and a half or 1.25 kilometer loop, and it was a six-man pack. We had Oscar Chilima of Uganda, Amos Capruto of Kenya, uh, and then we had quite a few others too, but um, after we hit the second lap of, uh, of the 1.25 miles, we hit it in 6.56, so that's about on two and a half K, so we can calculate that. 
And then uh, we hit the third lap in 10.29 and Chamatan, who uh, is a big contender here, Maxine Chamatan of South Africa, set the pace. He set the pace for most of the event and he uh, the, led the pack after halfway. halfway. And Caprudo, who was supposed to be a big contender in this race, faded a little bit after the five of eight laps. And Chalimo, oh man, he put out a big, 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 big surge. Uh, and he broke away from uh, Yaman, Yamane Burham Kripa of Italy, who actually raced in the European Cross Country Championships. And so Chalimo uh, actually broke away from Kripa when he was leading at the bell. And he finished with a time of 28.14 and just three seconds ahead of Kripa in 28.17. And it was uh, Chilimo's second bull classic victory for him. And post-race, Chilimo said that he essentially just waited till the final lap to kick and he was happy to end the, the year on a good note. And Kripa said that, I mean, I think he said like, yeah, they just started out too fast and that Chilimo was ultimately the stronger than him in the final lap. However, Kripa was really happy with this year. He's happy with his improvements. I think he put up a good fight against Jakob Ingebrigtsen in the Senior Men's European Cross Country Championships. I think he ended up finishing fourth in that race. But yeah, it's been a solid year for Kripa. And we also had a women's race, and this was not a 10k, this was a 5k. And, and we had Siam from Ethiopia, who won the race in 15-13 by 8 seconds. And we also had Lisa Gega from Albania. Uh, in second, edging uh, the 10,000 meter bronze medalist, uh, Margaret Chilimo, uh, Kip, Kip Pimboy, uh by three seconds. And uh, it was a pretty fun race. I thought that the first lap, obviously, uh, we're not counting by Ks, we're counting by 1.25 kilometers, was uh, 4.03 for the six woman pack. And Siam pushed the pace during the second lap. She, uh, she was ready to go out there and see what she could do. However, uh, Gega, uh, Kit Kimboy, and Siam pulled away during the third lap, and Siam threw down a, a pretty nasty final kick, and she had some good confidence doing it on the last lap to win. And for second, Gega outsprinted Kit Kimboy, and becoming the first Albanian athlete to reach the top three in Bolzano. So I thought that was a really entertaining race. I think that the New Year's Eve races, I don't know if there's just some added pressure that you need to perform on New Year's Eve because it's the last race of the year. But I thought a lot of the uh, the athletes who performed that day uh, really did a great job. They were uh, made really entertaining races. So I even I really especially like the one with Cheptegei in Madrid because we had two of the best uh, going up against each other. We had Katir, obviously, and then we had uh, Cheptegei, who is the world record holder. So those are all fun races. Um, I thought that talking about road races for too long would get pretty boring. So we're going to start talking about some of the big announcements that are happen happening in the world of track and field. Let's first start with uh, Jakob Bringebrickson's big announcement. Uh, he's going to announce that he is going to go for the world record indoors and the 300 meters or th sorry, 3000 meters uh, in Madrid on February 22nd. And he's obviously looking for greatness. Greatness. He is the Olympic and world champion in this event. And he'll be also targeting his second indoor record, uh, this time obviously in the 3,000 meters, but last year he broke the 15 th or the 1,500 meter indoor record with a time of 3.30.6 in Lyevin. And he's only 22 years old, however he is already one of the most successful European middle distance runners of all time. He is the European champion uh, indoors, outdoors, he is a senior cross country uh, European champion. He's a world champion and he's an Olympic champion. So if you ever go up against Inga Brixen, 
you better expect a fast race. And what's odd enough is his first ever track race in Spain. And he's trying to break Daniel Coleman's uh, 3,000 meter indoor record of 7.24, uh, which was set in Budapest in 1998. And Coleman also holds the, uh, he's a legend in the world track and field, and he also holds the 3,000 meter outdoor world record uh, and the two mile uh, world record uh, outdoor as well. And he has held these records for almost 30 years, so that's pretty crazy. But if you want to break this world record, it's pretty insane because you need to average 59 seconds per lap, which not many performances in the history of 3000 meter uh, racing has ever come close to this record. And it's going to be challenging. Uh, and I think Jakob, while I think he does have great fitness for this, he's going to need a perfect performance. It's all about execution for Jakob. And what I've noticed, obviously, is um, a lot of runners focus on when they're with their season on the summer races obviously most years that's either the olympics or the world championships so Jakob might not be in the same shape as he is uh in the world champs in the summer when he goes to budapest uh, however i sure do think he's going to put up a big fight and then again he also did break the 1500 meter world indoor record last year so i mean he's still capable of breaking world records in february while also winning medals in uh august that's just the way ingebrigtsen is but I think, yeah, certainly Jakob has the capabilities. He's been running 727 uh, as his personal best in the 3000 meters outdoors, which is only three seconds off. And that was a few years ago. So I think that Jakob even has a lot of potential, even maybe even more potential in the 3000 meters than the 1500. So can't wait to see what happens with Jakob. I like some of the shorter events because they don't take as long to watch, but uh, especially if you're watching them on the TV. But um, yeah, we'll see what happens. I, I've never been to Spain before, but Madrid, that's, that's surely going to be a fun race. But speaking of fun ra races to go to and maybe even race someday for me, let's talk about the 2023 Boston Marathon. And this is going to be possibly the biggest and most competitive Boston Marathon of all time. This field brings 15 or is it 16 uh, sub 207 performers into the field. I think it's somewhere around like 13 sub 206 runners and so it's going to be a stacked field in all caps just stacked field and uh what makes this really like crazy with the marathon right now is that all the marathon majors in 2021 also put up amazing performances we had kipchoge obviously break the world record in berlin we had daniel do nascimento um put out like an insane pace for like the first 20 miles of the new york city marathon we also had like evans chibet and um we had benson kipruto throw down some insane paces in the races they won so i just can't wait to see uh whatever is in store there i, I don't even know what to predict honestly because in boston anything could happen but in let's talk about the women's field because i want to save the best for last the uh, the men's field is going to be the most competitive but with the women's field, it's still a very competitive. We have nine athletes running under 220. And I do expect, a again, a very fast race. I don't expect anybody to really hold back at all. It's going to be very competitive. I think that we even have Amane Bariso, who won the uh, 2022 Valencia Marathon, which we talked about in episode four of the Sunday Shakeout. So I think the women's race is going to be very competitive. But what I have, and I think what most people have all their eyes on, is the male field. And the f the I think the official list for the men's field has been released. And it includes 
we're going to talk about four of the big athletes today. I think five, actually. Uh, we're first going to talk about Eli Kipchoge. Uh, we know he is the world record in the marathon. He is the two-time Olympic champion in the marathon. He is the first and only athlete to run under two hours in the marathon. And he's just, he's always there. He's If you're going to go up against Kipchoge, you're either going to, like, you're not going to win. I mean, there's like one exception to this in the 2020 London Marathon, but you're pretty much not going to win. You have no chance. And then we have Bensip Kipruto, who, I th- yeah, he was the one of, he won some of the marathon majors last year. I think he won the London Marathon last year, and he's a big competitor. We also have Evans Chibet, who won the New York City Marathon last year and the Boston Marathon last year. So he's the reigning Boston Marathon champion. Uh, and then finally, and this is the main guy I want to talk about here. We have Daniel Doe Nascimento from Berlin. And I think he could be a, a really, or sorry, not Berlin, uh, Brazil. He could be a real disruptor in this race. He ran, I think, somewhere around 101, 102 for the first half of the New York City Marathon, which is an almost unheard of race or unheard of pace, except by the Kipchoge. But... He was running like just paces that like we've never seen in a marathon before, but he clops to the ground in mile 21. Obviously, his excitement uh, got the best of him. He's pretty young, so he has a lot of potential, but the excitement got the best of him. And he has proven that I think he ran like under 205 a couple years ago. So he's proven that he has the talent to uh, run a solid race. And he went out really fast, which is what a lot of people do in Boston. Uh, and so, yeah, a lot of people run a very ambitious first half because it's almost entirely downhill, and so Nascimento might try to string it out like he did. Uh, so we have, like we talked about, we have Kipchoge, Benson Kipruto, Evans Chibet, and Daniel Doe Nascimento. We also have Lilisa DeCisa, who I personally don't think he is good as he once was. He is a two-time Boston Marathon champion. He's a part of the Breaking 2 project. I think it's on Disney+, Plus, but that was pretty cool. It was with Nike, Nike but... Um, Another athlete I'd like to talk about is an American here. I think he's sponsored by Brooks. Yeah, he's sponsored by Brooks. His name is CJ Albertson. And if you've ever watched the Boston Marathon in the last two years, you will know that he is one to really push the pace. He was leading the, I believe it was the 2021 Boston Marathon, until one hour and 43 minutes. He, like, he is similar to the... um, that guy who won the 2018 Boston Marathon, where he like pushed the pace, or similar to like Meb Kiflesky, where like they pushed the pace early and they're able to hang on. And I thought what was really impressive about CJ Albertson was he was just able to maintain a pretty solid lead, even though there were a lot of hills. And for this very reason that a lot of people push the pace at the start is what why Kipchoge says this is gonna be the hardest race of his life. And Kipchoge has to reel these people back in. He's not known to be one who um, who really starts out super fast like he did in the Berlin Marathon. But when he starts out fast, it's because he's not going to like fail at the end. He starts out fast because that's his goal pace. So I do expect Kipchoge to like put up a great fight. I do expect him to win the race. I think he still wins. But there are some challenges that goes along with that because there are no pacers in the Boston Marathon. And, well, because of that, people can just run out, and Kipchoge is going to have to be very wise, very smart. He's going to have to make a whole bunch of uh, very wise calculations in order to uh, to win this race, because if he makes one little mistake, I think that... I mean, I don't think it'll cost him the race, but I just think it might be close to... 
like i don't know i don't know i'm, I'm seeing too far into this but i think that uh another scenario here goes kipchoge might go with them if somebody like nashimiento goes out there he might try to outlast them with great endurance but you know i think kipchoge wins no matter what that's just me i just think that this is going to be one of the most exciting marathon majors of all time and i can't wait to see what happens Thank you for listening to episode 10 of the Sunday Shakeout. I hope you all really enjoyed it. I sure did. Uh, We weren't really talking about a lot of doping today because I know that's a little bit of a sad topic. But there is some Kenyan doping going on. So if you want to look that up, uh, you can can go find some stuff online about that. But instead, I just decided that it would be cool to talk about some of the key races that are going on in the world right now. And some of the key events that will be going on uh, in the near future. if you enjoy this episode of the Sunday Shakeout, please consider following to or subscribing to this podcast on Apple Podcasts or Spotify. I would also greatly appreciate review in Apple Music or Spotify or even Anchor. Uh, I hope you all have a great day. Uh, I love doing these types of episodes where we talk about some of the key events in the world of running. And uh, yeah, this is the, the Sunday Shakeout. Peace out. Peace out.